It is fantastic to have as today's Senior Times podcast guest, former rally driver and all-round superstar, Rosemary Smith. Rosemary, you are very welcome. Gary, thank you so much. I mean, that makes me sound, oh, I, my head is getting bigger all the time. <laughs> and so no, it should. It's lovely. it's lovely to talk to you, it really is. And it's lovely to talk to you, uh, Rosemary, and thanks very much for coming on. Firstly, for someone so full of energy as you are, how are you coping with this lockdown? Well, uh, sometimes with difficulty, other times not. I mean, I have the newspapers, I have television, I can go for walks, I can have a little glass of wine now and again. Um, you know, you've got to think positively and just think. And like most other people, we're now in spring and my little uh, snowdrops are popping their heads up and my daffodils are popping their heads up. So I say, we're looking into something special now. I think, I hope this year is going to be better, but it's going to take a long time. I know it's going to take a long time, but you've just got to, you've got to put up with it. You either put up with it or, or you just say, oh, I can't take this. And you, you sort of lie down and you get totally depressed and do nothing. I can't do that. I was never like that anyway. But, uh, you know, it's just one of these awful things that's happened to so many people, unfortunately, and so many of them have passed away. But, you know, at the moment, I, I really don't want to. I have too much living to do still. Okay, so you are optimistic. I am totally optimistic. Yes, I am totally optimistic. But, Gary, I'm very lucky because I don't mind being on my own. I mean, some people, they just can't bear it. They literally, they go off their rocker. But I don't. My dad was exactly the same. He could sit and read a book or, you know, play, go and play golf or do something uh, by himself. He was never one that needed people around him. And I, I think I'm exactly the same because even when we were rallying all the time, you know, I, we, if you, when you are going on a long distance event and there's only you, the car and your co-driver, you don't talk to your co-driver. She will say, you know, left, right, straight on, whatever the case may be. But there's no sort of chit-chat. And because of that, I always sort of felt, well, you know, this is it. I, I like this. I like the solitude of it. And uh, that was one of the reasons I loved rallying. And uh, now, before we get to your many adventures uh, in in the world of rallying and so on, uh, Rosemary, just tell us a little bit about your your background. You alluded there to your dad and so on. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh well, my dad had a small garage in Rathmines years and years and years ago. He went through school, Wesley College, and he went. He was to go through college, and his parents wanted him to be a doctor. And all my dad wanted was cars to play with cars and to work with cars, which much to the absolute horror of my grandparents, he did. And he opened this small garage in Rathmines. And, uh, and of course, remember, in those days, there weren't very many cars. So cars had to be repaired all the time because they were forever breaking down. And uh, But this just dad loved it. And uh, he had this garage. We lived in so many houses. I think I've lived in 17 houses all through my growing up life. 
because my mother, 17. I think she should have been a nomad. I, I really do, because she just get one house and do it up beautifully. And then she oh, John, I saw this lovely house, and it's out in somewhere, Dundrum or somewhere. And I think we should look at it, and we go and see this wreck of a place. So we'd leave our lovely house in wherever it might be, and we'd move into this wreck. And then that they'd do it up themselves. I mean, in fairness, they did it up themselves. And we just did this. We moved and moved and moved. And I just vowed when I left home and I, I eventually got married and one thing and another that I was not going to move. And in all my life since that, I think I've only lived in three houses, which I'm quite happy to do. I just like when I come home, shut the door. I like to come in and be able to sit down and, you know, do whatever I want to do without having to sort of put paper over the windows because there were holes in them and this sort of thing and I hated it I hated it so anyway that was the start of my life and then I went to Loretta Abbey in Rathfarnham uh, the bow for the day part of it and the nuns were horrible absolutely and completely horrible and uh, when I was 15 the head nun wrote to my father and said come up here I want to discuss your daughter and uh, my dad, who was a Methodist, we were all Catholics, he went up and he said, more or less, yes, madam, what can I do for you? He said, she said, I think your daughter is stupid. That was too much for my father. So he said, that's the end of it. And he just dragged me out of the school, literally, and said, I'm not having anything more to do with you and that school and so on. Because in the school, now this is how bad it was, the nuns, we used to have catechism, as you, well, you're probably too young to remember that sort of word, but my uh, the, the nun who was teaching us that told us anybody who was not born a Catholic went straight to hell. And I, the thoughts of my adored father going straight to hell was too much for me. And yet I couldn't tell them when I went home and then I couldn't eat and then I started to lose a lot of weight. Now, I was only eight at the time. And then, uh, you know, I eventually broke down and I told them. So that was another sort of nail in, in the nun's coffins, if you like. But, um, no, but then my father and then the nun wrote to him when uh, daddy took me away and said, Mr. Smith, I didn't mean she was stupid. I mean, she was stupid because she wouldn't use her brains. And uh, right. I had no interest in, in schoolwork. Now, I regret it now. I will say that, Gary. I do regret it now because there are things I wish I knew about. And I wish I was much, uh, you know, that I had read more, that I had learned more. You know, I can tell you a lot about, you know, Europe and the various places because we traveled all the time when I became a works driver. But I would like to have known more. And I mean, people have said to me afterwards, well, why don't you go back to college now? Well, why don't you? Well, the thought of doing that was just, <laughs> there was no way. Can I ask you, uh, Rosemary, you were obviously very close to your dad, uh, and it was your dad who taught you to drive, isn't it? Wasn't, wasn't it? it? Oh, yeah, dad, um, we had a field up in Old Bourne, up near Talla, and, uh, oh, I was very young. I was uh, about 13 and because he had all these old cars down in the garage and he said, you must learn how to drive and you must learn how to swim. So he brought me up to the field, which is a great, it's a great learning place because, and especially when it was wet and he kept saying, go on, go faster, go faster. Now, you know, and he'd tell me exactly what to do. Don't use your brakes, drop it down in gear, do this, do that, which stood me in very good stead afterwards. And, um, 
But, I mean, he was always behind me, literally, you know, go on, go on, go on, go on. And as I said in the book, the one time I saw my father really, really annoyed was that I had been doing a lot of rallying here in Ireland. And then I, I did one in England and then I did the Monte Carlo rally uh, as a privateer with a girl called Sally Ann Cooper. But um, when we went out there, of course, it was all snow and ice. And uh, But my father, having told me, you know, what to do if you got into a slide or if you were going, you know, anything, that you had to use your gears, try not to use your brakes. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. Your free travel card can be used on all Expressway coach services. Despite restrictions, we're staying on the road. Whether you need to attend a medical appointment or for any other essential journey, Remember to travel with Expressway. Expressway, keeping Ireland connected. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. Rosemary, can I ask you, how did you actually start getting into rally driving? Because you were working as a dress designer, weren't you? Yeah, well, that's exactly how I got into it because, you know, when I left school, and as I say, I was very young, I was 15, and what you do as a 15-year-old, I mean, 15-year-olds nowadays are grand, but 15-year-olds back then certainly weren't grand. I mean, we, we really had no, we, we just had no self-confidence. We had, well, as I say, very little learning. So the only thing, uh, because I always liked, you know, sketching and that sort of thing and making my own clothes. So I went to the Grafton Academy. And uh, then from the Grafton Academy, I went in, I did my time with um, a woman called Irene Gilbert. And then uh, we opened a very small, I mean, now they call it a salon, but back then it was rooms in South Ann Street. And across the road from the rooms uh, was the Coffee Inn. And the Coffee Inn was the in place one went to in the 60s and 70s, and all the Trinity students went there. And it was a great place, yeah, absolutely grand. But it was owned by a woman called Delphine Bigger. And Delphine Bigger, she was married to Frank Bigger, who used to do the Monte Carlo Rally with Jaguar. He did it quite a few times. But anyway, she used to come over to me for outfits. And I used to make her these beautiful, and she'd, she'd buy Hermes scarves to be made into shirts and, you know, the most beautiful uh, shoes and, and, you know, everything she had was good. It was money, money, money. Uh, she was great, but she didn't talk with you. She talked at you. And mm. she came in one day into the rooms and she was trying on some of these outfits. And she said, uh, you are coming to Kilkenny with me on Sunday. So I said, why? And she said, uh, because we're doing a rally. 
So we went to Kilkenny on the Sunday because you didn't say no to Delphine. And when we got there anyway, she said, here are the maps. You, you, you do the navigation and I'll do the driving. And to this day, I still can't navigate. I'm useless. But uh, so that was that. So we started off and three miles later, we were in a bush in the, somebody's farm somewhere up in the mountains. And she started. And I didn't know what language she was speaking because in our house, we never use curse words. We never use curse words because my dad did not approve of them. <laughs> so that was that. So anyway, it ended up and the bit I did uh, remember, she said, you know, get out or you drive and I'll navigate. So I thought, ah, but this is much better because I, I could drive and, you know, I, I was, well, I didn't know that I was any good, but I, I just thought, but this is better. So away we went, but before we got into the final control, she said, now stop, I'll get in and she'd drive in. And this is what we did for about a year. She would drive from the start and then she, I'd drive the rest of it and then she'd drive into the finish. And people said, gosh, Delphine's got very good, hasn't she? And we started to win the ladies and then we started to win the class and so on. And I never said a word until one time when we came around a band and here was two men, competing men, upside down in a ditch. And I said, gosh, you know, we've got to stop. They might be hurt. And she said, no, 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 no. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. So I said, no, I'm stopping. End of story. And as it happened, there was one of them that had broken his arm, but they were fine. I mean, the car was a wreck. And uh, anyway, off we went and uh, we got to the end. And of course, the, the two men came to the end and, and came over. Oh, thank you so much for stopping. And so, on. so they had said, you know, that I had been driving. And it was only then it got out that I was doing all the driving and she was navigating. I was going to ask you, uh, uh, Rosemary, how did men react to, to you as a driver? They didn't. <laughs> Well, they did, but not in a good way. Um, well, you see, remember, and even sometimes now, and I say it sometimes myself, when, when a driver does something really stupid in front of myself, <laughs> I bet it's a woman driver. No, I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't. But that was the attitude. Oh, woman driver. Oh, my God. You know, what is she? Jolly bird, you know, long blonde hair. Oh, she used to model. Oh, what do you think? You know, but then after a while and I started to win and, and I didn't just want to win the ladies. I wanted to be in overall. I wanted to win the class and then I wanted to try and be overall. Now, it took quite a while, but I've just, I got a whole list here the other day uh, from an old friend of mine, and he sent it to me, of the numbers of rallies I did, 77 international and overseas rallies, and a hundred and something Irish rallies. <laughs> so that's the amount I did, and then, of course, all the racing as well. But it, it took a long time for the men to you know, take me not just as a, a dolly bird, but take me as a driver. So that's what it started off. That I used to go, and then of course I'd be sitting on the bonnet of the car. You know, all this sort of nonsense that goes on. And uh, anyway, then I, I, I actually I could get the cars to the end, and then I could win the coup de dame, and then I could win a class. And then suddenly they realised actually, you know, I wasn't as stupid as uh, you know I was a dolly bird that uh, I could actually drive. But initially it was a hard thing to overcome because they, they had no regard because I was a, a woman driver. And uh, as I said, even myself, I say sometimes must be a woman driver. 
But uh, no, but now, I mean, then it got, it got increasingly better. And then I had a lot of men navigators wanting to navigate for me. And that was a, a big plus as far as anybody was concerned. This is in the smaller events now. I had to have a girl with me always in the in the internationals. But, uh, you know, it's just something, you know, Gary, either you, you put all safety thoughts aside and you say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to really do, I'm going out to win. And an awful lot of people in the early days, you say, oh, you take it far too seriously. But I said, you know, I, I don't, I, I want to take it seriously because I want to prove that I can do something well, because in my own mind, I could do nothing well prior to and my where driving did the car. This, okay, you did develop an incredible talent for not just competing in rallies, but also winning rallies. You won the Circuit of Ireland, you won in Scotland, the RAC rally, the Alpine rally, the Canadian Shell. I mean, it really is an incredibly successful story. I and mean, you weren't just a woman driver in a man's world, you were a champion woman's driver. That must have given you confidence. Yeah, but you see, the other thing now, this is, is, is probably, you'll find this a bit peculiar. Even after we won the Tulip Rally, and that was, and, and Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton were there, and all oh, it was great excitement. I wasn't, I, I didn't think back on it at all. I was thinking, now, what's our next one? Our next one is the Alpine, and then it's the Tour de France. And this is the sort of way... I never, ever, ever look back. Now, Rosemary, you were married uh, throughout quite a bit of your career. Uh, how did your husband react to your... It must have made for pretty strange dinner conversations <laughs> uh, about your rally driving. How, how was that? Dreadful. <laughs> One word, dreadful. He didn't appreciate it at all. Now, I was driving when I met him initially, and he thought this was great going out with somebody and people knew me and so on and so on and so on. But then, I mean, he was unfortunately terribly jealous. And uh, then, you know, I was away an awful lot because we did the reconnaissance trips and then we'd come back and then we'd go out and do the event itself. I mean, one year, I suppose I was away about seven months of the year. But uh, he didn't, he, he hated it. And then, uh, you know, he wanted a baby and then we tried and then so anyway I lost three babies one after the other pregnancies I should say and then oh, I had no. uh, um, I just uh, I, I knew I should never have married him it's not that I, I like women or anything I assure you but I, he was just the wrong person for me if I'd had somebody who would have supported me and backed me up and you know like my dad did uh, and, uh, you know, it would have been grand, but no. My heart goes out to you for having to deal, you know, with with all of all of that uh, stuff and dealing with that in any marriage is incredibly, incredibly difficult. Your free travel card can be used on all Expressway coach services. Despite restrictions, we're staying on the road. Whether you need to attend a medical appointment or for any other essential journey, Remember to travel with Expressway. Expressway. Keeping Ireland connected. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. 
To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. Rosemary, could you tell me a little bit uh, about the London to Sydney uh, rally? Because you, you ended up going up the Khyber Pass, didn't you? You see, that was another thing that my dad told me, that if it won't go forward, it'll always go backwards. But I'm, I'm you know, jumping ahead. London, Sydney was 12,500 miles. And it started in London, and we went down to Dover and across into Europe. And then we went right across Europe and down to Istanbul. We drove right down then, of course, to Afghanistan, Pakistan, India. And then we got the ship from India down to Bombay. But it was when we got uh, into the desert in Afghanistan and the car had been running particularly badly and one of the pistons had gone and then another piston had gone and then it suddenly decided it wasn't going to go any further. Now, unfortunately, I had a French girl as co-driver. I did not pick her. It was the competition manager for Ford. But on that particular stretch, we were... Oh, it was so hot. It was boiling. And the next thing, the car just decided it wasn't going any further. And we were sitting there and this girl with me. And all she wanted to do was to manger and fatigue. And, and she, she wouldn't speak English. Now, she could speak English, but she wouldn't. And she didn't drive because she didn't like right-hand drive cars. Oh, that was a disaster. But anyway, the next thing I heard, and out of the sand dunes came these men. Uh, There must have been about 20 of them on camels with the robes and the, you know, oh. And I thought, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? So anyway, they sort of circled the car. And camels are big things when you're sitting down in a a low car. And uh, anyway, so they, they came around and then, they said uh, one of them got down off his camel and white five robes and very tanned. Well, obviously they were colored. And uh, anyway, and he said in the most perfect English, he said, uh, what are you ladies doing here? And I thought, my <laughs> goodness. So anyway, that was that. And we explained, I explained because uh, all uh, this Lucette, she was uh, the, uh, the French girl, and all she was doing was crying and crying and crying. And that didn't help matters. So he said, uh, oh, you have broken down. Uh, and then they, they took my bracelet and my earrings. And luckily, I didn't have my rings on. But anyway, they took everything they could take. And then he said, what else have you got? Now, in the back of the car, I had little cans of oil. And this was given to me because the manager said, well, if it starts to go funny again, just fill up the engine again with oil. Now, don't ask me what that did. But anyway, it didn't do much good. So we were there and it was getting hotter and hotter. And so I got out of the car and I went around to the back. And all I had, as I say, were the cans of oil. So I gave them the cans. Of course, they thought it was Coca-Cola or something. They ripped the little tops off the cans and started to drink it. And, of course, with that, they were sick all over the place. And then they got really annoyed and they were banging on the, the bonnet of the car. And, oh, you know, I, I thought definitely we'll be in, definitely in a cauldron somewhere for lunch ne- next Sunday. But luckily with that, we heard, it's like, shots being fired. And um, 
Anyway, uh, these the two English, they were lovely. One was a major and one was something else. And uh, they came and they stopped. But when they stopped and they said, are you all right? And, you know, I, I looked around and the camels, the men, everything, they were gone. They just were gone. And uh, anyway, all you could see was the, the cans of oil on the, on the road and camel droppings. So, I mean, the, the boys, the army officers knew very well that. And I was at that stage now, I did start to cry because, you know, while they were there, I was trying to be very uptight. You know, I mean, this doesn't worry me at all. So the next day, anyway, we started off and they did a bit of a running repair so the car would move. So anyway, then we got to the Khyber Pass and we started off up the Khyber Pass and uh, it went chuk, 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 chuk and stopped. Now, we'd only gone about a mile, I suppose. So again, my co-driver, oh, what are we going to do? Oh, we will give up. We go home. We go home. No, we will not go home. So I reversed, well, I just freewheeled it back down to the start, turned it around, put it into reverse, and we reversed. I think it was something like 73K right over the Khyber Pass. And I tell you, I have some cartoons here of some of the, the locals sitting on top you know, of rocks on the Khyber Pass saying, you know, I knew women were bad drivers, but, you know, this is ridiculous. And... Um, but we got up, we got over the top. These stories almost sound too bizarre to believe. You must have had absolutely no fear for your own personal safety. I mean, did you see it as courage, Rosemary? No. I saw it as you know, something I really loved doing. I, you know, and as long as I could go, as long as the car kept going, I'd keep going under any circumstances. Did you like danger? Uh, no, it wasn't I mean, danger. No, it wasn't danger, Gary. It was it was something that if you are going to do it, you're going to do it. You can't think of the danger. You can be apprehensive. I mean, before an event, don't talk to me. I mean, I, I just couldn't talk to anybody. Not of, out of fear. It was, well, it was like when I went out to drive the Formula One car. That was only two, three years ago. And I couldn't talk to anybody before because I wasn't worried about crashing that didn't come into my head i was worried about making a fool of myself and if i had crashed or or you know done something stupid or blown it up then people would say well i mean at her age what do you expect i mean you know and and but it never dawned on me and once i got into the car and i got it going because just before i went out on the track the one of the mechanics said to me oh of course jeremy clarkson Oh, he stalled it and stalled and stalled it. And the trouble with the Formula One car, if you stall it, then they have to get the batteries out and plug you in again and so on and so on. And I thought, no, I can't do that. I can't. So anyway, here I was and away I went. And once I got going, I was grand. But it was exciting. And, you know, I'm just looking for something else to do now. I really am. I don't know what I'm going to do next, though. Neither do I, because the the life that you've had is quite extraordinary. Uh, And you did become the oldest woman to to drive a Formula One car at the age of 79. Uh, Uh, No, 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 Gary, Gary, the oldest person, the oldest person, man or woman. You are the oldest person, man or woman, to drive a Formula One car. Tell me, what is it like driving a Formula One car? 
it's uh, hair raising because I like to see where I'm going. Uh, and with a Formula One car, as you know, you've got to get in and go down and down and down and down. And I kept saying, because I'm very tall and I'm still very tall. Uh, and I, they kept going down further. I said, but my toes will be out the front of the car if, if I get any further down. But anyway, it was like that. And uh, then, you know, I said, but I, I really can't see anything. And they said, well, can you see the tops of the front tires? I said, yeah, just about. Oh, yeah, you're fine then. You can see where you're going. And uh, that was that. And uh, but it was. But the other thing was that one, the same mechanic, and just before I went out, he said, you see that red button there? And I put him because of the neck brace on and the helmet and all the gear on. And I put my hand out. And he said, oh, don't touch that. He said, that's only if you crash and burst into flames, just pull that. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. So you had a lovely day and you are an ambassador for Renault. And isn't that how you got into to, to doing the Formula One car? Oh, yes, because I run a driving school. Well, I did until March of last year and I haven't worked since, which I am really disgusted and can get no pandemic payment because I am too old. Now, did you ever hear anything like that? But anyway. Um, you're too old to get a pandemic payment, uh, yeah. but you're, 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 it's, it's okay for you to drive a Formula One car. There must be something wrong there. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely something wrong there. But anyway, look, look, look it doesn't really matter. You set up a driving school uh, to teach people how to drive. How does somebody who reversed, is it 73 kilometers up the Khyber pa Pass in Afghanistan, how does somebody decide to open up a driving school to tell people how to, how to go around roundabouts? <laughs> very, very, very easily because, you know, if you can reverse 73 mile, kilometers up the uh, Khyber Pass, you have a lot of patience, and I have a lot of patience, and I just love teaching, and I love when I, I get them, and then they go and do their test, and they pass their test. That is, for me, that is an achievement. Now, that's what I feel, but unfortunately, you see, I started this school because my sister, when she was married, she lived in America all her married life, and all her children did driver's ed. And I was over there when two of them were going through their, their, their driving license, if you like. And uh, I thought, wouldn't that be a great idea here? Because at the end of the day, there are a lot of youngsters and they always say, oh, it's the under 25s that have most of the accidents and are get, getting killed and so on and so on and so on. And I thought, well, to do that, to start a school, but it had to be on private ground because they wouldn't have a li any sort of a license. But I had all the insurance for them. I had the public liability for the place that I, I taught them out of. Uh, the first place was the Ferry House race course around the track there. And uh, then the second place was over in Tattersall. Uh, that was right opposite Ferry House. And then when they started building, then I moved down to Goffs in Nace, where I have been for the last uh, long, long eight years or something like that. But it was, um, you have to have... These kids are the transition year students at school. And it was put on some of the school, it was on the curriculum. 
and uh, they'd come down and we might have 24 or 30 and I'd have four or five or six instructors and a classroom instructor and then, you know, to go through the engine and, and the, you know, all the pedals and all that sort of thing. And then they'd drive around and then we'd have the cones and they'd have to get it into it and then reverse through it. And it was great. It, 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 it was exhausting, now, to be quite honest, because I used to leave here in the morning at about a quarter past six and then get uh, back home in the evening at about, uh, well, half six. <laughs> so it was a long day. And certainly in the winter, it was really hard going through the, you know, wind and rain and darkness and everything else. But anyway, I survived. Uh, you mentioned that young people uh, that you teach and so on and you're driving and young people over the num- last number of years that you've been doing the driving school, I think since around 1999, you said that they have changed a bit. How have they changed? Oh, they've completely changed. For the first uh, few years, it was Miss Smith, and they never said a word. And I'd be saying, you know, just change gear and blah di da di da da. Then after a while, it would be, uh, you know, they'd come down and they'd say, oh, hello, Rosemary. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in the last few years, they never stopped talking. And Rosie, wait, I tell you, and come to my, I'm, I'm having a, a, a coming out party or a, some sort of party and you must come. And, you know, they totally, they're, they're so much more confident in themselves. Um, they love driving. They love, they're, they're more full of life and they've got so much more confidence. You know, and I mean, if somebody way back in my early days or me, for instance, say, I want to be a pop star. There was no such thing, by the way. But I want to be a pop star. And, uh, you know, people would, ha, 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 as they used to do about my driving. But nowadays, I mean, a, a child says, well, I'm going to be a pop star. And people say, great, great. And what, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's the difference. They have, they've got everything going for them. I think sometimes a bit too much going for them. Are you disappointed that more female drivers haven't come through over the years and challenged the male bastion of Formula One and rallying? Well, they tried Formula One and um, they just, the other drivers would say, uh, you know, get those moving chicanes out of the way. And they just were not allowed in Formula One. As far as rallying is concerned, there are a few and the fuse right there are very good, uh, but there are no, no Irish, absolutely no Irish. There are a lot of Irish uh, co-drivers, navigators, but I don't know. Uh, well, now, I mean, I have been out of the scene here in Irish rallying for a long time, so I don't know. Maybe there are some young girls coming up. I hope there are. It would be great. But then, remember, Gary, the other thing is that uh, you know, to go rallying initially or racing, you have to have money or you have to have, you know, somebody who is a sponsor, who is a relation of yours or something who will give you the money. Everything is money nowadays in motorsport. Everything. I mean, even to go into Formula One, if no matter how good a driver you are, you have to bring something like a million pounds with you. So okay. it's very, very, very difficult now. You clearly have a lust for life and an indomitable spirit, Rosemary. Uh, And I know you are obviously involved with young people, teaching young people how to drive. What is your advice for young people and, in actual fact, for all people? I 
suppose if somebody's trying to give you a bit of advice, listen. I mean, especially if it's a, an older person to a younger person, <clears throat> you know, we've been there, we've done these things. So just, you know, have, you know, we're not talking gobbledygook. We're talking what we have experienced and what we know. And uh, that's all. Just listen. A lot of people in the autumn years of their lives say they regret not taking more risks and adventures. I'm not sure if you could say that, could you? <laughs> no, I couldn't. But, uh, well, I, now I'll tell you, I, I, I don't know. I, what could I have done in this last year? This is what I, I'm wondering. Is there anything I could have done besides cleaning the house, you know, going for a walk? <laughs> well, I tried. I mean, I, I, I can paint, uh, you know, I paint pictures, but not very well. But... Uh, you know, I just find it, it's, you know, just to sit there and, and paint, it, it doesn't it sort of, nothing, it doesn't give me any buzz in any way. I'll tell you a funny thing, though, that does give me a buzz, and people think I'm absolutely nuts. I love doing the ironing. Would you believe that? I love doing the ironing. Yeah, because I'll tell you why. If you've got any worries or anything like that, um, you know, and then you, you, you put something down in the ironing board and you iron it and the creases all fall out. And with it, all your anxieties and worries, they, they, they go out as well. And that, that, that's you know, something I really, really love doing. Before all this happened, when the book came out and I used to travel around the country and I go to book uh, sales and, you know, all this sort of thing and speak at, at, at various clubs and, and that I loved. I loved getting up there and, and because I always want to dress up. I always like to dress up and uh, then, you know, put the face on, have the hair done and go down and then meeting people. And a lot of people, obviously, I'd never have met before. And, you know, it, it just I can understand how singers and so on, they must be sort of really down the dumps now because they can't get up on stage and do what they do best. And, you know, that I do. And so many things had to be put off. And even this year now, I was to go to America to drive in a big event out on the West Coast. But that would be off. I, I can't see that happening. And we were to do another event from London to, uh, I think it's somewhere, Russia somewhere. And then there are a few others. And then there are, are a lot of, of events here, which because they make me honorary president, a, a lot of the motor clubs. And uh, we were to do, now there's a thing called the Deja Vu because the Circuit of Ireland doesn't exist as such. And uh, so some of the original organisers, they got together and they decided they were going to run this event called Deja Vu. And that was, you know, all sort of in one area now. And everybody that used to rally, and, and some of them still do, but they'd come out and they'd have these gorgeous cars. And I, though I have a, a little old imp, which I've had for years and years and years, but uh, I have a friend who has a Sunbeam Tiger, which is a gorgeous car. It's 1965, and it's got a 4.7 litre engine, so it goes. And he's made it... Uh, put power steering in it for me and one thing and another and it is just a what a whiz car oh it's brilliant so i can drive that anytime i like in, in events here there are two questions i want to ask you just very briefly okay about your extraordinary dangerous moments james bond moments in the world as well in donegal 
uh, I think at the uh, uh, in a rally in Donegal, your navigator was hanging out of the car window attending to the throttle while the bonnet was up while you were still driving. Is that correct? No, she wasn't hanging out the window. She was sitting on the arm, the wing of the car, on the wing with the bonnet up and her hand because we had told the mechanic that the throttle cable was catching going through the bulkhead. And he hit it with a hammer and said, there you are, because he didn't approve of, of me as a woman driver. He he never liked me and I never liked him, but that's neither here nor there. But, uh, and he uh, he said, oh, now it's fine. And the minute we started on the special stage, and you know the little roads in Donegal, they're humpy, dumpy, all oh, little narrow, skittery little things. And... Um, Anyway, and after about, you know, a few hundred yards, and I said to Paul, and this throttle is no better. And with that, it snapped. So we were left with no throttle. So I opened the bonnet and I said, now you sit on the wing and see that that you just push that down there. So she did. And we hit one jump, jump. And then, unfortunately, there was another one directly after it. Now, I'm leaning sideways to look under the, the bonnet, the edge of the bonnet, and uh, we were doing about 60 miles an hour, and I hit the one, and then I hit the other, and it was too much. Poor old Polly, and she shot up in the air, hit the roof of the car, and back and rolled down the road behind me. And was she all right? No, she wasn't. She was knocked out. But luckily, she had uh, she had um, a helmet on. No, no, I, I was really very cross with her for falling off the... <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, no. Well, we were going so well. We were third overall, which is up there. It was good. And uh, as I say to you, whenever I fall out of a rally, I'm annoyed. You know, I really am annoyed with myself as, as much as with anybody else. But I was annoyed with her for falling off the wing. Rosemary, you couldn't make it up, really. Oh, is, no, is you couldn't, quite actually. <laughs> Just one final question, and your sister may have been a very good-looking woman, but so were you, and you were a model. Did you see yourself as a sex symbol? No. Can I just read you one thing? I just want to do this. Have I time? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Now, this was a piece that Sheila Hancock, you know, the lovely English actress, and she turned 80, and this is something, and she sent it over to me. She said, some people dread old age, but I am having a ball. At my age, I can get away with anything. At worst, I will be labeled eccentric or senile. I can leave when I'm bored, boo when I hate something, love whom I choose, be outrageous, self-centered, and downright silly. I do sometimes feel lonely, but increasingly, loneliness has become a valued solitude. On my own, I will laugh, cry a lot, be thrilled, be desolate, have fun and take risks. My last lap is going to be hair-raisingly exciting. It's not lovely. I just thought that was absolutely brilliant. That's absolutely fantastic. Rosemary Smith, it has been an absolute pleasure to listen to your life's extraordinary odyssey. You really are, I don't know how to describe you, the most extraordinary woman I have virtually ever, most extraordinary person I think I have ever talked to. Rosemary Smith, thank you very much. Today's Senior Times podcast was produced by Simon Murta and engineered by Mark Murphy. 